Good morning. It's time for conversation here on 94 WIPL Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. Hopefully your holiday's being a good one, and it will continue at least through Tuesday and Wednesday. When we come back in just a bit to celebrate the last conversation of 2018, something old, something new, we look back, we look forward. All this and more coming up here on 94WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. More in just a bit. And we're back. It's conversation here on 94WIPL Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon, and it's time for the last conversation of 2018. And to do that, to look back, I welcome back Stephen David Elliott, expert extraordinaire on the notion of networking. His new book, Mingle, The Art of Face-to-Face Networking in the Digital Era. Good morning, Stephen Elliott. Uh, Good morning, uh, Peter. Uh, Nice to speak with you again, and I'm uh, very proud to be the last conversation uh, you have uh, this year. Thank you. Um, Networking, though, still seems to be an overused term, is it? Networking, is it still an overused, uh, does it seem to be an overused word? Uh, I think that it's, it's a word that, that it's an important word. It's something that you have to understand. Uh, if you don't network, you are no longer relevant, and you enter into the business world with your peril. So regardless of the nomenclature, you have to be familiar with this, this, this world, word that's as old as business itself. But is it just a term for business, or is it a term for everyday life in its own way? Because we all need a network of friends. Well, network, it's its certainly something that's important in business. And if it's done successfully and you keep up with your network and you grow your network, you're going to have advantage not only in your business life, but also in your personal life. You're going to gain uh material advantage as well as spiritual advantage. But in the mind of, you know, we're in the holiday season right now, it's also about giving and helping other people. Where's the giving and helping come in, though? Because it seems to me networking is to put your business to the greatest advantage. And how does that fit with networking and helping other people? Well, it, it falls into the, to the belief of, of giver's gain. If you're always taking, taking, and, and taking without uh, giving, your ability to receive is going to be negated. So, in other words, you need to give, 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 help other people in your network. So all ships rise together, and everyone, everyone gains. It's more along the lines of when you're giving then you are worthy of asking. Huh. And sort of in that way, because if you're not giving and you ask, I would imagine the reaction can be, and who are you? Well, I would say, you know, and, and sometimes you, you may have success with going for the ask uh, right away, but if you do that frequently enough without helping other people uh, with what their goals are and what they're trying to achieve, uh, eventually, you'll be disappointed and rejected. 
part of part of networking is becoming better known. Uh, why do you want to be better known? Because the more people that know you, the more likely they'll have the capacity to like you, and if they like you, they'll trust you. If someone trusts you, that's how they decide who they do business with. And by networking, you are you are giving legitimacy to uh, what you're trying to achieve, uh, and therefore other people want to help you achieve those goals. How did you get into this whole thing of networking? Well, uh, networking, uh, the, it, it, it's been part of what I've done my entire life. I, I've recognized that uh, if you try to do things uh, by yourself, you have a certain amount of success. But if you can grow a network, a sphere of influence, you're going to be much more likely to have success. And, and for me, uh, I've, uh, you know, I've, worked, I've worked for myself since I'm 21 years of age. I'm, I'm at the mid-century mark right now, and I've been able to achieve the things that I've wanted to achieve in business and to achieve the level of success I have with a national company by thinking of other people first, by helping other people in my community. And when you start, Peter, when you start to, to help people on a local level, that's the stepping stone that will propel you to a national level and then an international level. Okay. How do you do it? How do you begin? Uh, the, the best way to, be, to begin with your network, in, in, and I want to discuss primarily you know, physical networking in this conversation that we're having here at the end of the year, uh, you use an actual, you can use an actual digital tool to start yourself, uh, you know, expanding your network. Go into your database, look at people that you know currently, uh, reach out to them by phone call, uh, email, text, using technology to set up appointments with them, uh, to reach out to them, to make yourself known that you're willing to help them and by doing so, they'll potentially help you. Then you can go to actual networking events, uh, like the ones that Rockstar Connect, my company, hosts all over the country. Or you can uh, go to your, you know, your industry's uh, conference or convention. But frankly, you can start your networking at a much easier level. If, if you work in a business and you have an office, start networking with the people that you work with. Now, recognize that everyone has, you know, an existing network, regardless of how small it is. Use that as your foundation and build upon that. You know, your old friends are your gold friends, and when you introduce them to the new people, your new acquaintances and friends, you're showing your value as a connector. And that's going to increase your sphere of influence and your impact in the business community. All right. But just sitting down and calling people up and making appointments, let alone keeping the appointments, takes time. And a lot of people in business, especially if it's small business, don't have a whole lot of time, do they? Well, net networking is a business function like any other. Uh, it's just, you know, when you're calling your prospects to increase your business, 
uh, when you're sitting down with your accountant uh, to uh, you know pay your taxes. These are all things you must do to succeed. Uh, like anything else, you have a calendar and you have to budget a certain amount of time uh, to be successful. So networking is just one of those aspects of the things you have to do in, in your business. And the more that you set up the time to follow up uh, with people in your network or to grow your network, the more people and prospects you're putting in your funnel to be successful. But you're absolutely right. Um, some people may find, well, I'm super busy. I'm not making money immediately from this. What's the value? Well, it, in in the moment, it's hard, maybe hard to gauge that because you're busy. But six months down the line, if you have failed to keep up with the people that you do business with or could potentially do business with, uh, the barrel is going to be dry, Peter. Okay. So... But is it? It's like cold calling, and if someone calls me up, cold calling, I'm going to hang up. Well, the, the, what the difference is when you're cold calling, that's you know frequently people are resistant to that because they know that you're just going in for the sale. If you're consistent with reaching out to people in your network, you can you can make these calls where people are going to welcome them because you're remembering them. They know that you are considered, that they are considered a valuable part of your network. You're not calling them up and say, Hey, I need you to purchase something or I want you to buy something for me or I want you to do something for me. Instead, you're calling up to say, you are someone that I value. Uh, right now we're coming up on the new year. We're coming up on 2019 I just want to uh, tell you that, that you're top of my mind, and if there's anything that you're trying to achieve in the new year, hey, just reach back out to me, uh, and I'm going to help you achieve those things to the best of my ability. Very different from, from cold calling because you're offering a value, a value proposition, and you're not selling your services. You're offering your services to help other people. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. But again, if someone called me up and made that kind of a pitch to me, my inclination would be to think, okay, what's in it for you? What's in it for you? you it's very clear what's in it for you. No, not, uh, not for you're, me. You're, pick, you're picking people. If, if, you're, if you're selecting people that you're going to call, that's because they're a like-minded individual. There's someone like you. There's someone that, that networks and uh, believes that, you know, a strong sphere of influence is going to increase the business. So there, there's no question of why you're calling. You're calling because you want to collaborate with this person. You want them to be successful. So, you know, obviously the return on investment is, hey, I want you to be successful. I'm going to help you. Of course that's going to make me successful. And no one is being naive here. Uh, when you're entering into the networking game, you know, it, it, it's eventually going to be a quid pro quo, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back situation. And, you know, how are you going to have that influence? You're going to have that influence because you've demonstrated 
that you're someone who's willing to give and help other people. Okay. Um, that's step one. What's step two and three? Step two and three after reaching, reaching out to people? Yes. Uh, well, uh, let, let's reframe it. Is it, is it a question of a, a, a step two and a step three, or is it a matter of, you know, portraying yourself to these other people as, as portraying yourself as a person of worth, uh, speaking with them about what you guys have done together in the past, what you plan to do on, in the future, uh, finding out uh, your commonalities uh, of what you're both trying to achieve, and uh, therefore uh, increasing your ability to have success. Uh, during those calls or when you're meeting that person, uh, you want to you quiz them, you want to uh, dialogue with them about, well, what are you doing this year? Uh, how, can you, how can I fit into that equation to help you? Or who do I know that can help you that I can make an introduction to? Uh, what type of business are you looking for? Or even, you know, are you participating in a, a charity this year? Uh, what resources do I have to bring to bear uh, to that type of relationship? And in that process, I would imagine, um, you find commonality, and you can say to the other person, hey, I know these people who might be interested in what you're doing. Let me get, to, get them together, maybe buy them a drink or a cup of coffee, and let's see what we can do. Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be as simple as you know, reaching back to conversations you've had in the past, if you've had those conversations before, and saying, "Hey, uh, uh, how's your how's your son been? I know that he's graduating school. Has he has he uh, found a position yet? I happen to know of someone who may be able to give him an internship this year." Would you like me to make some contacts for you? Or, um, you know, you are looking, last year you had spoke to me about wanting to, to, to expand your business to work with real estate agents. I know a few real estate agents. Uh, why don't uh, I make a mutual introduction for you? That mutual introduction, you know, we're talking about doing things physically. We're speaking to them in person or on the phone. But we can very easily manage our time by going on Facebook or LinkedIn and sending a message in between, uh, you know, this person in our network and another person in our network and say to each other, hey, you guys need to connect with one another uh, because I think you have mutual interest. You'll get along with one another. And uh, I want to be the connector. I mean, that's one of the important parts of being of networking is making those network connections and being seen as a connector. That increases your value in, in the entire uh, you know, networking transaction. And you're listening to Conversation here on 94 WIPL Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. Our last conversation of 2018 is with an old friend, previous guest, Stephen David Elliott, author of the new book, The Art of Face-to-Face -face Networking in the Digital Era. My name's Peter Solomon. Okay. How does Rockstar Connect 
get involved in all this stuff? Well, you, you spoke a little bit about uh, about the time of networking. Uh, networking uh, does take time, and people want to be more efficient uh, in their networking and more effective. So what Rockstar Connect does is it takes uh, takes an individual and it helps them build a network around them. Uh, how? By, by sponsoring networking events and creating networking events where the host, the focus of the event is on the host. So typically when people go to a networking event, it's like going to the prom uh, without a dance, uh, you know, without a date. You don't know who to dance with. You meet four or five people at the event. They may or may not be the right people. You're not so happy with it, so you, you don't get the results you want. You don't network again. With Rockstar Connect, we find people to host events that, that want to help the local business community. We make them like the prom king or uh, you know the homecoming queen. Everybody wants to dance with that individual. Uh, they get every business card at the event. They're, they are immediately recognized as the leader of the event, someone who wants to help other people. Now, the hosts of the event, they are actual rock stars. They are successful business people. They want to help other people grow their networks, and they want to grow their own networks. The attendees of these events, which are free events, uh, they're the audience for the rock star. And Rockstar Connect, we're the roadies. We're doing all the unglamorous parts of, of hosting a networking event. We're booking the venues, handling the attendees, doing the social media, and all the follow-up so the host of the event can just show up at the event and, and help the people in his network and expand his or her network. So that's the role of Rockstar Connect. And obviously it works because you wouldn't be doing it if you didn't. No, I mean, we've been doing it now for two years. Uh, we're, we're in 155 different cities, and we're adding, uh, adding uh, new events all the time. Uh, my partner and I, Nick Chaffee, we wrote the book that you were discussing, uh, Mingle, uh, the Art of Face-to-Face uh, -face Networking in the Digital Era, to explain how you know, Rockstar's Connect philosophy of you know, growing your network, helping local businesses, and giving back to the community, how that will help you grow your network, which makes you successful, but also impact everyone around you. And we're very passionate about that. What's the biggest mistake people make when they try to network? I, I think that... Uh, I think that going for the ask too soon is the biggest mistake that someone makes. And, and, and let me elaborate a little bit on that. That that means you started a conversation with someone, and instead of trying to get to know that person, to see where your commonalities are, and and finding about what the other person's needs are, you just start asking them to fulfill your needs. It's a, it's a critical mistake because now those people don't feel that you're, you're honest and you're networking. You're just trying to receive without skipping 
you know, with skipping everything that's necessary in establishing a relationship, it's a real turnoff for people. Uh, also, just over-promoting, over-selling. Uh, you know, Peter, you go on, on Facebook and you go on LinkedIn and you see all the posts that people are making. They all seem to be selling something. Now, people will buy from you without you having to oversell. Don't turn them off and, and, and make that mistake in networking. Because if you turn them off, they're not coming back. They're not coming back. Not only that, they're going to talk about you with other people in the network and say that you're sort of a selfish person, you're a bore. Uh, you, you almost make yourself like a little bit of a pariah. Uh, in, instead, if, if you're just your normal friendly self and, you know, your value could be as a confidant, or as a mentor, there's a lot of ways to provide value to people in your network. Who do you want to read the book? Uh, I, I feel that this book is is valuable to people that are, especially people that are just starting out in networking, that may feel that simply you know joining LinkedIn or going on Facebook is the only way. Uh, to grow a network or is the way to grow a network. I want people to recognize that those you know, digital tools are just that. They're tools. They'll help you leverage your network and grow your network more quickly or you know, it'll help you create a database where you can keep in touch with the people that you know and you want to know. But it's never going to be a substitute for being face-to-face uh, belly to belly, and that's who the who the book is for. And uh, I think it would be great in, in the new year if, if you're starting out in business or you're you're changing uh, to a new career uh, to pick up Mingle. It's interesting as you were talking and used the word tool. I flashed on a screwdriver. Do it correctly, and you get the job done. Don't do it correctly, you're going to hurt yourself. You're right, and you have to use you have to use the correct tool. Uh, that's an excellent point, Peter. Uh, when you are, you know, this year, and we get to start over, you know, the first with with our business or, or start growing on what we did the year before. Uh, evaluate the tools that you have that make you an effective networker. Uh, make sure that you have a, a good, uh, uh, you know, good CRM or database. Uh, look at your Facebook profile and make sure that it appropriately reflects you uh, in the way you do business. The, the same thing uh, with your LinkedIn. Uh, these are the things that are going to give you success, those tools, and you have to have the right tool. You don't, you don't want to use a, a hammer uh, to fasten a screw. Got a website, David? Stephen, David? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, I'd like everyone to, to go to rockstarconnect.com, uh, and I'd like to offer for the new year, just for the people you know that are listening uh, to our program, I want to offer them a, a free a PDF copy of, uh, of, of the book Mingle. Just go to uh, you know, rockstarconnect.com, go to our contact sheet, and say, Stephen, I want a free book, and we'll send out a, a free copy of Mingle to you. Can't, uh, 
Can't think of a better bargain than that. No, absolutely. And, you know, that might start a conversation. You know, I'd love to network uh, with the people in your audience. Thank you. And I'd like to say thank you as well to Stephen David Elliott. His new book, The Art of Face-to-Face Networking, Mingle. Thank you, Stephen Elliott. Thank you, Peter. We all appreciate it, and we love you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. And Happy New Year to all you folks out there. A good way to start the new year. Get out there and mingle. And when we come back after these messages, one from this year's past archives, we remember 2018 as we get ready to move into 2019. All this and more when we come back here on 94 WIP. My name is as we ease on into WIP Sunday, the last WIP Sunday of 2018. And we're going to continue with our theme of something old, something new. And my first guest this morning, Dr. John Huber, comes to us from Mainstream Mental Health, a nonprofit organization that brings lasting and positive change to the lives of individuals that suffer from mental health issues. Dr. Huber's been on with us before and will probably be on with us again. Good, <laughs> good morning, Dr. Huber. Good morning, Peter. How are you today? I'm fine. Welcome back. All right. Thank you. Something old, but something new. It's 2019 is right around the corner, and with New Year's comes New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to save money. I'm going to quit my job, whatever. All said with the best of intentions, and very few were followed through with. Why? Well, very few are followed through with because uh, those are just good intentions. And what we do is we have these lofty ideals. So a lot of times we don't even make these statements or declarations with any kind of rationality. So, I mean, if you want to lose weight, just saying you want to lose weight doesn't give you anything to work on. At the same point, saying you want to lose 100, 150 pounds, you know, that's a big amount of weight, and it's not very realistic. So what you need to do is set a realistic goal. Say, okay, for 2019, I want to lose 25 pounds or 30 pounds. Once you've made that, you need to break it up into steps. Okay, there's 52 weeks in the year. Let's figure out what we got to do. Let's break that up. How much do you have to lose to get that 30 pounds? Well, it's a little more than a half a pound every week, which is actually kind of manageable if you think about it. So now you can break it down. What do you have to do to lose that you know, half to one pound the first week? What do you need to do in that situation? And you can start building from there. Now you've got a plan. You don't just have this declaration, this statement that I'm going to make this this change. And you could actually follow through with that. And if you look at one pound a week, that's actually pretty reasonable and easily done. Now, I'm personally famous for saying I'm going to start going to the gym. I sign up <laughs> at a gym. I go for maybe four to six weeks. Then it's back to the couch. And there I stay exactly. for the, the rest of the year. Yeah, and this is the time of year I quit going because I'm taking a break where all the people are coming in and doing that. And then the gym tends out by February, and I'm good to go. Is that simply, again, we have overestimated our ability to meet expectations that we're setting for ourselves, or is something else going on? Exactly. So what you need to do is say, okay, I want to, I want to 
start exercising more. And what what is that? Well, first do a baseline. Figure out what you're actually doing today. And some people it's nothing. Some people are you know doing doing or feeling like they do a lot of work at, or working out at work. Maybe they take the stairs every day instead of the elevator. Well, if you do those types of things, talk, take those down. Take stock in what you've done. And if you take the stairs every day, how many times are you actually taking those stairs? Are you only going up in the morning and going down in the afternoon? You know, that's really not a lot. But if you start making a plan, okay, I'm going to go up and down my stairs X number of times a day. And again, now you've got something feasible that you can do that, you know, you, you need to take a break in the middle of the day. You need to do lunch in the middle of the day. Now you can actually do those types of preparation and work your way up to, okay, now I'm doing so much that without drastically changing my day, I can't add anything else to my workout. Now you need to start thinking about going to the gym. The option, too, is now you go home and you incorporate a walk around the block. Now, different parts of the country, that's kind of hard to do at different times of year, whether you have snow, you know, in February or like here in Texas, you got 110, 120 degree weather and you can't really do that without facing heat stroke. So you have to be realistic. You may need to just go to the gym as opposed to walking around the block, but build up to it. Don't start off with the ultimate goal. And we tend, though, to beat ourselves up when we don't meet that goal, don't we? Oh, we do. And so you, you compound everything and you start feeling like, you know, well, why should I even why, why should I even try this? Because it, I'm just going to beat myself up and feel even worse about it. And, you know, when we look at what really happens over time, most of us, most people as we get older, we pick up anywhere from one to three pounds every year that, that is stacked on and we never do anything to chip away at that and that's fine if you pick up one three pounds this year but if you do it over the next 10 15 years you're talking 30 to 45 pounds that is now problematic and, and could potentially be life-threatening as far as heart conditions are concerned hypertension blood pressure issues and the, and the like i also find when i'm beating myself up for not going to the gym it usually comes in the form of a voice in my head from the most judgmental relative I can summon up. <laughs> exactly. And the last thing you want to do is face that, that voice or that person in real life. That's why you're picking that voice. And uh, you, you then use an avoidance technique so you don't even attempt to do the resolution that you made, losing that weight, because you don't want to even go near that. And then it, it, when you do make a resolution, you don't plan for it because you're already set in your mind why I'm not going to accomplish it. Well, the reason why you haven't accomplished it is you haven't built a reasonable plan, and you're not the problem. The plan's the problem. And look at it from that perspective, and all of a sudden, now we've got something to work with. And sometimes, though, isn't it the lack of a support system to help you get there? Oh, definitely. In fact, if you're doing something like losing weight, it's always better to have a partner or several partners in in together and in, in kind of work in cahoots. And so you're not really motivated to get up in the morning, but your partner, you know they're sitting outside waiting for you or they're coming by in five minutes to pick you up or it's your morning to drive. 
now you've kind of got this, okay, I've got to, I can't let them down as well because it's amazing what we do for other people that we won't do for ourselves. Those expectations of we've got to keep our promises. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and, and that creates a whole another issue. But remember, you know, doing things together, if you're, if you're married, you have a partner, you know, look at what goals you both have and work on them together. And it's amazing how you can support each other. And, you know, you're having a bad day. The other person may not be having that bad day and they can coach you through it. And remember that you're there for them at the same time. So uh, that, that support network is very important when you're trying to make those promises, whether they're to yourself or to a group of, of friends or a team that you're going after a goal. And again, don't forget to make very concrete, measurable goals that you can break up into small fractions and accomplish over time. You find, though, that it's the same for other resolutions we might want to try I'm going to spend less money, I'm going to go shopping less, I'm going to drink less, I'm going to smoke less. Does it work the same way? It works the same way. By using those vague terms like less, uh, all of a sudden we may not really comprehend what that means. You, You may think what you're doing is spending less, you may actually be spending more. So what you have to do is you have to do that baseline I was talking about. Actually count and measure what you're normally spending first, and then break it up because you might shift from, okay, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go have that beer at the bar with my buddies after work today. And all of a sudden now you're going to Starbucks every morning and you're spending twice as much on coffee. So write it down, make a concrete list that you can sit and look at and then document and keep tally of it every week. And don't worry if you're off a little bit this week, you know, and next week you save a little more because what you want to do is trend in the right direction. And that's the consistency that will have you overcome and make your actual goal. Seems to me, though, Dr. Huber, that there's a thing in there of pleasure and pain in that <laughs> the pleasure we get from that cup of coffee today versus the pain of having to deny ourselves to have that extra money in the piggy bank. Oh, exactly, that delayed gratification. And here in our country today, actually in the world, with social media and the apps we have, we are getting further and further away from delayed gratification. We don't like delayed gratification, and uh, it's, it's very difficult to hold that little carrot in front of the cart to get you moving in that direction. So, again, break it down. Look at what the plan is. And if you have a plan, you can start modifying the plan instead of beating yourself up. And you will find out over time, trying different carrots out there, you will eventually find one that works for you. But again, if you don't have a plan to start with, you can't modify it. And that's where we we lose right there from day one. We just say, we're going to spend less. We're going to drink less. We're going to have less coffee. We're going to lose weight. But we never put real parameters around it. And once we do that, now we've got a goal, and we can break that goal down, and now we can have weekly plans and move towards those. I see a segue out of that discussion, Dr. Huber, and into the (laughs) other place I want to go. Because if you don't meet your goals, you get mad. And when you get mad, you get cranky. And when you get cranky, you easily turns to outrage. And I want to talk about America. We seem to be more outraged than ever as a people. 
Well, what we found out in the media and newspapers and news outlets, it's real easy to sell anger. And it, it's, it's in a lot of cases, people don't do the legwork that you do, for example, on your shows where you're out there exploring all these different avenues and, and you don't go for that easy throttle that I can just push it forward by making people upset. And we've conditioned ourselves as a culture, you know, for example, men, the only really socially acceptable emotion that we've had for decades is to be mad. And we've actually turned things like depression into anger. So a lot of our men are running around and everybody goes, they're just such an angry person. In reality, they're actually depressed and they need to get help for it. But again, it's not socially acceptable to do that. Then we compound that with the way our our system is set up, our educational system. The minute a kid goes to kindergarten, the first thing they hear is, listen, little Johnny, you need to learn to take criticism better. And so we learn to take on that threat, almost like anger, and we internalize that, and we, we become these, these super critical people, and when something is done of value, say you get a really good test score and your teacher goes, hey, you did a good job on the test, you immediately start making excuses for that. Oh, well, it was an easy test instead of it was an easy test because I prepared appropriately for that. And we fall back into this, well, I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not going to gloat. And the fact is you haven't learned how to take compliments, but we learn how to handle this aggression and this criticism. So we're getting beat on both ends of the candle, so to speak, and uh, it's not good for us as a culture and as individuals. And you're listening to WIP Sunday here on 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, something old, something new, Dr. John Huber from Mainstream Mental Health, a foundation down there in Texas working to change people's lives who suffer from mental health issues, and he's our, become our resident expert on all things mental health-wise. Dr. Huber, stay with us. I've got to run a few commercials here. We'll be back in just a bit to WIP time, 7.15. And we're back. My guest this morning here on WIP Sunday, Dr. John Huber, our expert on all things mental health. <laughs> all right, Dr. Huber. Um, but why do we hang on to that anger almost at all costs? Well, it, again, it's, it's, it's something that is uh, reinforcing in itself. So when we are angry and we solve a problem, we feel like we've conquered some kind of emergency crisis. We actually get uh, a, a resolution that includes an internal reinforcement of endorphins. So we get a good feeling for resolving that crisis. At the same time, when we get angry, we get an internal uh, reinforcement for that part of it too, because we get all these uh, adrenaline rush. And if you are a thrill seeker and you like excitement for a lot of people, that is the only thing that makes them feel alive. So we're getting reinforced for being angry and then for solving the problem when we create it by being angry. Because there's anger for our spouse, anger to our children, anger to our job, anger to that driver who cut me off. And there's anger to the other, whoever the other might be. Right. <laughs> and, and, and it's too easy to do that to everybody. Be angry at your dog. Be angry at your cat. 
you know, be angry at things that really you have no real control over and in the reality of it all really don't have a major effect on your life at all except for now that you're being reinforced for this emotion, it now manipulates your perspective of the world and you start finding more things to be angry at and it becomes a very vicious cycle. A lot of people argue that anger has even entered into the political world. What do you think about that? Oh, I think uh, I think that that is their natural uh, situation now for politicians and politics, and it doesn't matter which side you're on. It's easier to get people to react emotionally than to sit down and look at the actual uh, a reality of the, of what they're trying to do and the data behind it. Uh, it, it's too easy for our voters to just fall into the emotional step as opposed to that rational, well, I don't really understand math anyway, so I don't know if I should like this policy or not mentality. So, hey, I'll get angry or I'll be happy with it, depending upon what my politician says, and I'll let them deal with the details. And that's kind of a, a shortcut way that we've all, trained our politicians to interact with this like so now instead of us turning around and finding this politician up there who's going to explain to us why we should like a certain policy or practice that they're trying to instill and we've trained them to stimulate us emotionally and they get reinforced for it because they get reelected when they try to analyze things and give you the numbers, we run away from it. You know, it's like uh, the, the old professor once told me that five out of four people can't do fractions. Well, a lot of us don't like to do math because we don't understand it. So when you start throwing statistics and data, we kind of go numb. And we respond really well to those emotions, and the politicians have given us what we want. Are, are we lazy with our emotions? I think so. I think we are. Uh, again, you know, men, we easily fall into that anger emotion, and now women are being trained to, to use anger, too, for the same reasons. They get the adrenaline rush during the anger burst, and then when it resolves, they get the dopamine and endorphins, so they feel good afterwards. So it's real easy as opposed to breaking down and, and, and feeling depressed and then maybe a little guilt and then working through and processing all those things, we just jump right to the anger. And oftentimes anger is really a secondary emotion. We're feeling guilty. We're feeling deprived. We're feeling depressed. And instead of dealing with that, we get the, we get the rush from the adrenaline of anger, and then we resolve that anger issue, and now we get the endorphins from it. And it's a shortcut all the way around. So what do we do? How do we fix this problem? <laughs> wow. That, that, that's the, the $69,000 question. What we need to try and do is to realize that anger is a secondary emotion, and there's something else we're feeling first, and we've trained ourselves to ignore that and jump right to the anger. So when we find ourselves jumping into an anger state, take a deep breath, step back, and try to get a different perspective of the situation. Once you do that and you can identify that, that real emotion, the first one that came up, work on that. Why am I feeling guilty about this? Well, maybe this really isn't an ethical thing to do, so I'll just turn it into anger and then I'm uh, resolving. Okay, so don't do that. Stop. Well, one of the things I recommend to everybody because that sounds real simple, 
if it was that easy, we'd all be doing it and we wouldn't be caught in the anger cycle that we are. So you may need to actually find somebody to talk to, whether it's your minister or preacher or a therapist, heaven forbid. And uh, we go out and, and talk to those people and get ourselves grounded, so to speak. We're going to talk to them not because we're saying we have a mental health issue like, like depression or mania, but we're doing it to kind of get our feet planted back in the ground so we can start growing again as human beings. And that's a very valuable reason. And if you want a good New Year's resolution, resolve yourself to go meet your therapist in, in your community and, and get kind of a update. We go see our dentist every six months even if we don't have cavities. So why shouldn't we go to see a mental health professional to see if we have any kind of mental health cavities going on there? And I'd like to say thank you to Dr. John Uber. It's always enlightening when he joins us here on WIP Sunday. Doctor, you have a website? I have a website. It is MainstreamMentalHealth.org, or an easier way to remember and get there is DrPsycho.org. That's D-R-P-S-Y-C-H-O.org. Dr. Psycho, are you proclaiming yourself there? <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but, you know, like Freud said, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. And I'd like to say thank you to Dr. John Huber, Dr. Psycho on his mental health um, website, <laughs> for being with us this morning here on 94 WIP, WIP Sunday. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, sir. Nothing thank left you, Peter. To, you're welcome. And you've been listening to Conversation WIP Sunday here on 94 WIP All Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. Stay tuned for Sunny Hill. Always conversation. I know I'll be listening. And finally, let me wish each one of you a grand and glorious Happy New Year. See you next year.